0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Hey, thank you for uh, making Fran and I feel so welcome here over the last uh, few years that we've been attending here. It's been a wonderful discovery to uh, find a whole new family. And uh, we love it. We can't imagine being anywhere else. And I want to say thank you to uh, Pastor Suzanne and Pastor George for uh, the opportunity to share the word with the house, uh, with my, my family. And uh, Pastor George, we know you're watching, and uh, we love you. We're praying for you. And Let's just tell just you that. Well, for those of you that are doing a full food fast, this is day number eight. And uh, uh, I just have, um, just have uh, one piece of advice for you. Um, stay away from the Food Network. <laughs> Cupcake Wars. Great British, British Bake Off. Just, just don't even go there. Watch Property Brothers and those, you know. It'll, it'll go better for you, I promise. Well, time is precious, and so I don't want to waste any. Uh, and so let's get right to the bottom line. I want to just tell you what this message is all about. I want to make two points. Uh, Jamie is, is in the worship team. have already eloquently made it in worship. And so I'm just going to be kind of fleshing out in words what you've been singing already. Uh, two points. Number one, uh, God is at work. Even when you can't even when you can't see what he's doing, he's working. God works tonight's shift. And number two, God invites us to work with him through this wonderful, mysterious thing called prayer. So that's what we're going to cover. All right. Now, I got to just tell you right up front, I cannot preach like Pastor George. I cannot preach and drink coffee like Pastor Rod. So, uh, but what I can do is I can share a couple of things uh, uh, out of the Word of God and a couple of experiences I've had in my life, and uh, we can pray and agree that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. Can we do that? Well, let's just do that right now. (laughs) Father, we are gathered here in your name to worship you and to hear you. And we ask you right now in the name of Jesus that you would send your Holy Spirit And you'd speak a personal word, a powerful word, to each person here. We love you, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. When I was in college, I took a semester off and uh, worked a a night job. I worked in a local newspaper, and it was our job to take the, the paper as it came off the press... And cut it into the pages and then put all those pages together and fold it. And then it was bundled together and tied up into bundles of 50. And then we would load it into trucks so that the, the, the guys that deliver your paper would have a paper to deliver. And that was an all-night job. And I quickly learned that uh, living the night shift and working the night shift is different. It is strange. It is unusual. It's not like how most people live. I mean, it's a... It's like uh, eating eggs and O.J. when other people are eating ribs and baked beans. It's uh, going to bed at sunrise when everybody else is getting up. It's a very different kind of life. And, and generally, night is very different than day. We, we, we can all agree on that, right? Well, let me just th- tell you some obvious things that y- you know. Uh, as, as nighttime comes on, the, the, the air cools down and the traffic starts to thin out. And uh, eventually all the cars kind of get into the driveways and the parking lots and, and the TVs turn off and the lights turn out and everybody's asleep. Almost everybody. There are night shift people. And just to n- name a couple of obvious ones, a few obvious ones. There's the nurses in the squeaky shoes that are checking their patients all night long <laughs> at Shands and at... Uh, uh, Florida Regional. All right, let's give it up for nurses. Right. <laughs> Hadn't planned that, but it's good. Let's go with it. Uh, there are the bakers at Dunkin' Donuts who, who, who are getting ready for the morning commute. There's the road crew with their mercury lights that are working on the road, getting the road fixed before all the big rigs start rolling again. There's the, the cops that are patrolling all the neighborhoods in the back alleys And there's the EMT crew that's up all night long, hoping they don't get called to come out and save somebody's life, but they go if they're called. Night shift people. Well, there's some other night shift people that aren't quite as noticeable, but they're there. There's the, the half-awake dad who gets up in the middle of the night and f- makes sure the vaporizer's full and Checks his, his son's <laughs> croopy breathing. There, there's the mom who slips out of bed <laughs> and begins to pray for a daughter who lives in a faraway city and is in trouble. There's the pastor who sits in his bathrobe by his fireplace and he's praying for a couple that have come in to talk to him about getting divorced. These are night shift people too. Well, let me just tell you something maybe you haven't thought about. God works the night shift. I said God works the night shift. Have you ever thought about that? He works while we sleep. The psalmist put it this way. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will never slumber nor sleep. All night long, God is moving outside of our view. He's busy with tasks beyond our comprehension. He is clearly uh, working on things that we can't even imagine. His skillful hands are shaping things that we cannot even touch. All while our heads are on the pillow. Now, he's not working on uh, black holes and cosmic atoms. He's got all that figured out. That's all been put in motion. (laughs) What God is working on all night long is taking care of you and me. When it comes to your life, there is absolutely nothing that goes unnoticed. Nothing that goes unguarded. Nothing that goes unplanned. At one place in scripture, he said it this way. He said, I know, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He has great plans for you. Matter of fact, his plans are better than your plans. Have you discovered that? His plans are way better than your plans. And, and I'm I'm not a fast learner, but I have gotten there. And so that's why I pray just about every day. I pray, Lord, I don't want my plans today. I want your plans, because your plans are better than mine. And that makes it so much easier when playing things get disrupted. I just now I can just shrug my shoulders and say, well, this must be God's plan, because it sure wasn't mine. And it's okay. It's okay. He cares about you. You have God's undivided attention all night long. And because you have his undivided attention, you can comfort yourself with this thought. Before you get up, before your shoes hit the floor, before you go down to to the hallway, before you turn on the coffee pot, you can comfort yourself with this thought. God put in a long night watching over me, and he has planned every detail of my day. That's a good place to say amen. Come on, work with me here. God God has got it all planned out. He's got it all figured out. All we got to do is relax and go with the flow. King David got it. Even as he was running from his mortal enemies, King David wrote, I lie down to sleep. And I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I lie down to sleep and I wake again because the Lord sustains me. Well, let me tell you something else the Lord does that you maybe hadn't thought about. He moves other people to pray for you. He is calling other people to pray for you, just as God will sometimes, like we're doing right now, call a person to fast from food in order, or something else in order to have time to pray and to seek his face, God will also at times call us to get up out of bed and spend time with him in prayer for somebody else. And dear ones, when God calls you, when he calls you to pray for someone, whether he's calling you for, to pray for your child or someone else, it's a big deal. Yes. It is a really big deal. It might be the hour when they are making a life-changing decision it could be the, the point in time when they're wrestling with a, with a temptation. It could be when they're staggering under a crushing load of, of, uh, of, of some kind. It could be a point of crisis. And so God calls you or me to get up out of that cozy bed and go spend time with him praying for them. And so often later we learn that at that very moment when we are praying, God staged a rescue operation. God caused something to show up or somebody to show up and the whole situation turned around. But even if we never know the results of our prayers. Listen, prayer is never wasted time. It's never useless. There is never a time when you pray that nothing happens. And if you need a scripture for that, I just talk to uh, refer you to James. James chapter five, verse 16, where it says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. Great power, great influence with God. So even if you don't know what happened when you prayed, trust me, something happened. Something happened. Now. I don't. Sleep real good at night. I I think it maybe is an old guy thing. Uh, Usually, I just have to get up and get a drink of water. Or let's just say go down the hallway. But sometimes, sometimes God will wake me up with faces before my mind people I care about, and, and I'll sense that God is asking me to get up and spend time in prayer." I think maybe this is what the prophet was, was saying, about prophet Hosea, he said, the prophet along with God is the watchman over Ephraim. Now in his day and age, every town, every city had a wall around the city and all night long the watchmen, the sentries, the guards would be pacing up and down. They were watching. They were keeping guard to make sure that no, no armies were coming, to make sure that the people within are safe. And I think, I think Hosea probably spent some time on the wall with God, watching over the people of Ephraim in prayer. When God calls you to Get up and spend time with him in prayer, whether it's at night or in the daytime. When he calls you to spend some time on the wall with him in prayer, you get the the high privilege of sensing God's heart. Of feeling Jesus embrace of knowing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Enjoying his presence. And engaging our enemy in combat. What a privilege. One of my mentors, uh, uh, Pastor Jack, he, he told me something that's kind of stuck with me. He said he had an agreement with God because he had to get up a number of times during the night as well. But he said, whenever I wake up and I see that the, the numbers on my digital clock are zero, zero, like two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, zero, zero. Exactly. He, he says, that's not a nature call. That's a God call. And he says, I get up and I spend time in prayer because God has invited me to come into his presence and to pray. And I've kind of adopted that. I've done I've done that same thing for a, a while now. And and uh, for this year, the year 2020, my number is 20. So if 20 rolls up on my digital clock, I know, oh, OK, this is a God call. And I, I, I'm a, I've made a covenant. I'm, I'm going to get up and pray, spend time with God. Now, some months ago, I heard a voice in my prayer time and it said, I need you. And when I heard that, I I I immediately thought, that can't be God. I I don't receive that. God is almighty. He, He didn't need me or anybody or anything. And that is the truth. And so I just kind of pushed it aside. But some weeks later, I heard it again. And this set time I said, Lord, if that's you, I, I, I need a scripture. I don't understand what you're saying. I, it's, that's a hard thing to receive, that you would need me. I, I need a scripture. And God immediately brought to my mind a scripture. Not one of those scriptures that you kind of, you know, memorize. But I, I got this one. And he, I had to go look it up to make sure I had it right. But I found it. And it's over in Ezekiel twenty two thirty, and I, I got insight into what God was telling me. The Ezekiel twenty two thirty says, "I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall, and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, so that I would not have to, to destroy it." But I found none. And I've, as I continued to meditate on this in the weeks since God said that to me. I thought about the book of Nehemiah. Now, you know, those of you that uh, know your Bible well, you know that the book of Nehemiah is is the book about the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, which had been torn down when when Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. And they came back and and the people were told to to rebuild the wall. And amazingly, they rebuilt the wall in 52 days. I, I learned that from my friend Mark. 52 days, they rebuilt that wall. Well, so then I went and, and looked at Nehemiah. And I thought, well, how did they do that? I mean, those, those are big rocks. Those are stones. They're huge. They're massive. How did they do that in just 52 days? And we get a little tip on how that was done over in Nehemiah 20, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 23. There, I, I read, Benjamin and Hashum made repairs in front of their house. And next to them, Azariah made repairs beside his house. And next to him, Benoi repaired another section from Azariah's house over to the angle at the corner. In other words, each family rebuilt the portion of the wall in front of their own house. Now, true confession time, I, I, I am not very good at praying for nations. For example, and I have some nations I pray for, but for just to give you an example, I'm talking about, you know, if I try to pray for New Zealand, mainly the only thing I get is a kind of a map. You know, it's that little long finger like island that's over there by Australia. But I've never been to New Zealand. I don't know anybody from New Zealand. And so it's hard for me to kind of get anything about it. But that's not true. When it comes to my house. I can see clearly to pray for my house and my family. I can see clearly to pray for my neighbors and I do. I have a clarity that allows me to pray with a better understanding about my friends. And about the people that I know. I see faces that come to me in the night when I'm on the wall with Jesus. And I know them. And I'm praying for them. Now, listen to me, because this is really the point. Each of us has a place on God's wall of prayer. Each of us has a time and a place with Jesus. and, And I can't take your place. I can't stand on the wall for you. It is very unlikely, church, that the Holy Spirit will tell me how to pray for your family or your neighbors, or your friends, or the people you know. There are faces that will come to you when you're in prayer that will never come to me. They're your assignment, not mine. And I can't take your shift. There is a time and a place reserved just for you to keep watch with God, to stand in the gap and to build up the wall around the people you know. Now, can we talk? Can we just be honest here for a minute? Just work. with Yes, yes, yes. Oh, we can talk. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Here, here's what I have to tell you. Sometimes I don't get up. Now, the question that, that, that begs is, well, if I don't get up for prayer when God invites me to get up, what happens? Now, I, I, Sometimes I don't get up. I, I, I have to confess it happens more than I, I, I like to admit that I don't get up. And I don't know what that means for eternity. I don't know what happens if I don't pray. I don't know what won't happen because I didn't pray. Maybe I'll never know till I get to heaven. Maybe I won't even know then. But I think about it. And here's kind of what I think. Um, On the one hand, God really doesn't need me. I mean, he's all powerful, he's almighty. His uh, word is, is settled in heaven. Uh, Scripture says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stands guard in vain. So, you know, I'm not going to be able to save anybody. My prayers, unless God agrees with them and energizes them, my prayers aren't going to help anybody. I am powerless. God's got to do it. And yet at the same time, I think about this. I don't know why God does it. But he invites me to partner with him and participate with him. In bringing the kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. Uh, he, 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 through the mind boggling mystery of prayer, he invites me to be a part of things that have eternal significance. Yeah. Eternal consequences. And I get to partner with him if I just get up and spend time in, with prayer, in prayer with him. Now, I don't, I don't know why God does that but he does. I don't know why God uses prayer, but he does. I, and I have a hunch, I could be wrong, but, but I just run this by you. I have a hunch that God loves taking weak human beings like you, you and me and using us to totally embarrass the devil. I mean, I mean just, just think about it, just, just think about it here. You know, it's one of those situations where the, where the circumstances are closing in and you, you don't see what's going to happen and you just feel like you're getting ready to get squashed and, and those, those slobbering, stinking demons are right there and, and you're just thinking, oh, I'm, I'm dead meat. And then you hear the Holy Spirit say, call an audible. Call an audible. And so you start saying, Jesus, help And in that moment and over the coming days, you don't see anything spectacular except that God begins to do what he does. All things work together for good and somehow the circumstances change and you you make your escape and crisis is over. But if we could see in the heavenlies what happened when you yelled Jesus was all of a sudden guardian angels showed up from heaven with swords drawn and the demons fled. And in heaven, Jesus is laughing. He's slapping his knee. He's telling the angel, did you see that? That clown is not going to win. He loves just embarrassing the devil. I don't know why prayer works, but I know it does. Jesus said it would work, and he's got all power and authority, so he ought to know. It works. Now, the, the better question is this. What happens because I did pray? Well, PR reminded us last week of when Peter was rescued from jail. And before he was rescued, the scripture says constant prayer was offered to God by the church. Was that a coincidence? No way. No way. People called on God and God called on an angel. That's exactly what happened. There are people that I am praying for to be saved. I'm on the wall regularly with Jesus for them. And I believe they're gonna be saved. I believe every one of them is gonna be saved. I don't know if I will live to see it, but you know what? My prayers do not have an expiration date. I believe every one of them is gonna be saved. Now, Maybe you're a parent or a grandparent here this morning and you'd have to be honest too and say, well, when my kids or my grandkids were little, I didn't pray for them. I didn't know how to do that. And, and now they're grown. They live far away from me and they're far away from God. I'm gonna tell you something. It is not too late to climb up on the wall it is not too late to pray, because God is awake and listening. God is still in the life-changing, bondage-breaking, miracle-working business, and He works the night shift every night. Now, I'm gonna tell you a story about my son, then we're gonna close. I, my, my wife and I had have two beautiful children, my son, Micah, and my daughter, Joy. They got saved when they were children, filled with the Holy Spirit, grew up in church, loved the Lord, never got into drugs, and a few things they got into that, that we've, told us, we've told them, don't tell us about it. <laughs> but they're good kids and they love Jesus. But when my son was a young man, he experienced a life-crushing, life-changing disappointment. It left him wounded, disillusioned, and angry with God. In fact, at one point he said to me, Dad, I don't even know if there is a God, but if there is, I'm sure I don't like him. Well, as you can imagine, that created a great, great sorrow and a great divide in our family. In time, my son moved away from home, went to upstate New York, and began work on a graduate degree. He was not in a good place emotionally or spiritually when he left. By the way, I want to tell you, he, he gave me permission to share all this with you. He was not in a good place when he left. And as the weeks stretched into months and the months stretched into several years, there was many a time when his mother and his grandmother and his sister and me were on the wall praying for that young man. But over time, privately, just between the two of them, Jesus healed Micah's heart and restored his soul. (laughs) Years later, Micah said to me, speaking of that time in his life, he said, Dad, even during those long winter months in New York when I wanted nothing to do with the Lord, he kept talking to me. He kept bringing scriptures to me. He would not leave me alone. God works the night shift. God works the night shift. Now, if you're here right now and you're thinking, well, that may be true, but I don't see it. Maybe you're saying, well, God seems to be working overtime and holidays and weekends for everybody else, but I don't see anything going on in my life. And if it's happening, it's slower than molasses in January. (laughs) Or maybe you're saying, well, I know God's working, but I don't have a clue what he's doing. I've been talking to him about, and you fill in the blank, you know, about... uh, um, uh, my loneliness or my addiction or my, my, my health or my broken marriage or my, 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 my lost child or my financial mess. There's plenty of, plenty of ammunition to fill in the blank with. And you're saying, if God's working in my life, then I just obviously do not have night vision because I don't see a thing. If that's where you are today, I want to just say this to you. God works the night shift. No matter how dark the situation looks, God's working. Even if you don't see what's going on, God is working. And to you, I feel like God is saying this. You may feel like your life is black as night, but God says, I do my best work at night. I know your pain. There's no detail that's escaped my attention. I I know your emptiness and I'm I'm ready to fill it up be, beyond anything you can imagine. I know your wounds and your scars and I'm going to make every one of them a testimony of my grace in your life. And he's saying to some of you right now, be patient. Be patient, my child. I'm at work. I'm at work, I'm at work in your life. I'm at work in your life. And lastly, I wanna just uh, talk to somebody that might be here and you're saying, I don't know the Lord, but I want to. I love hearing that prayer and I know God loves hearing that prayer. He's been bringing you to the place where you would say that. And I, I want to just give you an opportunity to say that to Him, just between you and Him. So I'm just going to ask everybody just to, uh, just to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. And I want to just ask if, if you, if you're somebody that you would say right now, El, I, I I don't know the Lord. I don't know the Lord like you do. I don't know the Lord like other people I know, obviously know Him. There's something missing in my life and I I think it's the Lord, I wanna know him. Would you just put your hand up right now? Put it up, let me just see your hand. Okay, yes, thank you. Somebody else? Yes, all right. Anybody else? Anybody else? Good, good, good. Well, the first thing about getting to the Lord begins with opening your heart to Jesus and coming out of the darkness. So I'm just gonna ask everybody that's here, those that raised your hands and those that didn't, and maybe some of you wanted to raise your hands, but you don't know me. And so you thought, well, I'll wait for Pastor George, but don't wait because this is God's time. He brought you here to hear this. So I want everybody just to pray this simple prayer with me, would you? Lord Jesus, I've hidden from you in the dark, but I'm ready to come into the light. I've been willful, selfish, and prideful, but I don't want to be that way anymore. Jesus, please forgive me my sins. I know you're alive and that you want to. So I'm asking you to forgive me and change my life. I want to know you as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Let's give it up for the God who works a night shift. you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.